0: Aloha and welcome to A Dose of Positivity. I am your host Donna Maltz, known to many as Mama Donna. And each week I invite positive, knowledgeable guests to share their wisdom, passion, inspiration and their determination to positively impact our world. You will meet the most incredible social and environmentally responsible activists, artists, entrepreneurs, musicians, health and wellness advocates, making a difference with their lives and their careers. The goal here is to bring you more positivity into your life. We invite you to share your goodness and inspiration, ask questions, and please invite others who are looking to be part of a positively, positive transformation. Thank you for joining us Now it is time for a dose of positivity. Aloha, it's Mama Donna here. And I want to welcome you all to another amazing episode of A Dose of Positivity. And my guest speaker today is an amazing friend and colleague. And human being that is doing incredible things for the planet. Her name is Robin Richardson. And as you know, this is a live show. It's a live recording. And before we get started, as people come in and ask their questions and tell us where you're from, I always like to do a little reading from one of my books. And I want to remind all of you to sit back, take some gentle breaths, Take your shoes off, if it's warm enough and get grounded uh, to take in all the nourishment that we're gonna have in this hour of a dose of positivity. And also to you new listeners who are um, listening to the replay, um, this is a place where we always leave better, feeling better than we did when we came on. And I interview thought leaders, change makers, and health professions. I'm so glad you're here. Um, again, this is a live show. So all of those who are in, uh, who are coming into the feed right now, thank you so much for letting us know where you're from, drop your questions, and we do our best to answer each and every one of them um, or hear from you during the show. And as you know, the show is recorded. We have our podcast station and YouTube station, which we'll put in the chat. So you guys can, if you miss it or have to leave early, you can go find the show. So I'm going to be reading right now uh, from uh, the book as people, hey, Melissa's here. Awesome. Just a real quick thing as people come in. Oh, my gosh. The most beautiful people in the world are here today. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, from Living Like the Future Matters, um, this is from the evolution called Blooming. If you haven't read this book, I highly recommend you do. It was written by moi, and it's available wherever great books are sold. So. This is a lead in every time I read something from my book and know, go figure how I find these incredible guests or they find me um, is because we have heavily researched these topics that we're talking about. These are experts and professionals coming on and I give you a tremendous amount of resources and each one of these guests has a, uh, has a theme or a part in my writing. So here we go. In 1969, just 10 years after Alaska achieved statehood, oil was discovered on the Northern coastline. And our guest today is born and raised in Alaska. The state held the Prudhoe Bay oil and gas lease sale in September, 1969, which brought in $900 million in revenue, revenue. Many of the state's decision-makers support supported putting a portion of the expected revenues into a permanent fund known as the Alaskan Dividend Fund. The money from the PDF permanent fund encouraged residents to help to stimulate the economy. A flood of opportunities spilled across the state. A more sophisticated infrastructure was built and social programs expanded. New roads, schools, and multiple buildings made Alaska more attractive to newcomers and residents alike. Mid-size and small businesses sprouted up and anticipated success. It was a bull market in bear country. People flocked north with dollar signs in their eyes, including me. <laughs> Uh, Not not in '69, but I got there in '82. I'm just skipping a few pages, but if you want to read the juicy, there's more juicy stuff in here. But this is all applying to Robin, who was actually the founder of the small development um, community in in the state of Alaska in in the 1980s. And boy, did we need her at that time. Anyway, most of what is consumed, this is really really important. I want you all to. Digest this. Okay, everyone, wants this is a quote first by Penelope Keith. Everybody wants instant everything and they want instant success. But I always think you should treat things in the, in the arts like a garden and let them grow. But that wasn't what was happening at the time, Unquote. Most of what is consumed can um, barely be considered food. Many did not question. They consumed what was fed to them, fad diets, processed packaged goods, and the fast food franchise industry boomed. As the size of Americans bulged, profits soared for a few. Meanwhile, I bucked a fierce tide as our national natural foods cafe defied, defied the odds and flourished. While I was out to change the way people viewed food in the the American mindset was in super-size me mode. The bigger and the cheaper, the better. Okay, this is what we're talking about, valuing our food, valuing our food chain, right? Just gonna take a couple more things from this. The fossil fuel driven package industry also marched alongside the food industry Creating demands for plastic and styrofoam containers. The industrial, the industries fed off of each other like cancer. To make matters worse, many fossil, fuel, fossil fueled companies own plastic manufacturers, and many of the plastic companies are, are fossil fuel companies. I ask you, who wants to live? In a fast food nation driven by corrupt fossil fuel, a uh, corrupt fossil fuel economy, banning single use plastic is one t- step towards living like the future matters. So this, that's just like I skipped around, but it's all good teasers for uh, what Robin is going to be bringing to the table. And without further ado, I want to introduce this incredible friend and colleague to you. And um, please take in everything she has to say because her wisdom goes deep. So, and a reminder for all you people who are just coming in right now, today we're talking about the impact of our dysfunctional food supply chain and its effect on your health, my health and the environment and all life kind. As I mentioned earlier, Robert Richardson was born and raised in Alaska. Robin just kind of give a hi to everybody on so they can see you. Um, um, She's a local economist, a local economist planted the seed in her mind in 1968 that Alaska's seafood industry was not benefiting Alaska the way it could and or should. Rediscovered the seafood industry in the late '80s. She uh, attended a fish conference in Nanak, Nanak, Alaska, and she was given a walkthrough by supposed uh, specialist. And that was it. A light bulb went off for her. Her pursuit was cast in stone to pursue the supply chain of food, and when it intersected it, and, and when it intersected with health, and how it intersected with the environment. It naturally became her passion to take a, this movement forward to the public, to the businesses of Alaska. Robin is an advocate, a facilitator of the Global Food Collaborative, which she founded. Global Food Pro Collaborative. Um, Robin, when did you? When was when was GFC founded, honey? Come off mute and tell us when GFC was founded. I don't have that. Two thousand five. 2005. Great. So she'd already been in this for like 20, 30 years in the trenches, 30 years in the trenches. So Global Food Collaborative, um, which is the organization she founded, I'm a part of, and many other professionals in the food business are, is a collaboration of professionals in health and food businesses, all people coming together to increase our individual and collective momentum on preventative health and the reversal of chronic disease in concert with the natural world. Oh, I love that sentence. Think of it as as an integration of business to business supply chain, supporting one another. Among her many accomplishments, like I mentioned earlier, she founded the small business center in 1980 in Alaska. She was a chief business development officer of the Copper River Seafood and executive director of the World Trade Center of Alaska. I wanna welcome you so much, Robin, and thank you for taking the time out of your day. Uh, Robin just moved from Portland, Oregon, well, from Alaska to Portland and to uh, a small farm in Montana. So Robin, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you and how you became uh, instrumental in this value chain movement, love.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Donna. Um, It's great to be here, and I hope that we can have a little bit of a conversation and leave here with uh, some positive movement forward uh, actions, um, probably more than words. But I'll start with just a little bit of introduction. Um, Donna has been a number one cheerleader of a recent event, so I'll just explain what has happened. Uh, Global Food Collaborative is um, a group of people who are in business Uh, doctors, naturopaths, uh, health coaches, uh, food producers, direct marketers, uh, and individuals who are connecting them or add value to the supply chain system. When I work with them, they are really working on health, they're working on food, and they're working on climate, all at the nexus. And in talking to them, telling their stories, interviewing them and having events like this, it became very evident that we needed to do more. I needed to do more. So um, I uh, sold my home and I talked to my husband and we sold our home and moved to Montana. And the reason is that it's our intention of beginning to develop a food forest here. and walking the talk, not only in our personal or our professional life, which is where I've been for you know, many decades now, but also in my personal life. Because I, I think all of us are feeling like the world is overwhelmed with problems and um, it's just time to commit. And that's basically what hit me over the head was uh, it's time to commit to do more and change things up in a really big way. So that's our commitment. Um, What I do is I work with businesses, business to business. And the reason is that way, way back in the 80s, um, I was working at the Small Business Development Center, as Donna referred to. And uh, a person came in who was starting a business. Uh, We worked with businesses who are startups, people in business, all small businesses. And the person had a great outlook for how they were going to start their business. It was going to be dynamite. And they had the finance aspects absolutely down. They knew exactly where they were going to get their money. They knew exactly where their money was going to go. They knew exactly who their customers were going to be. And I was really impressed. My field was always a little bit more marketing. So I was overwhelmed with the fact that they knew their numbers very well. And then the next individual came in and they knew their marketing really well pretty weak on the financing and i went out of that last meeting and it dawned on me that person a should meet person b i wasn't really important to that conversation other to other than to introduce them make them feel comfortable and facilitate the conversation between them but i started to imagine the cities the villages the communities moving forward sort of like a business co-op or like a co-op where one person had finance, one person had marketing, one person had transportation, one person had packaging, one person had labor. Uh, Everybody had an element of it and they should be working together. And Donna had talked about, you know, we had the big oil flux, which brought in a lot of organizations, a lot of entities, a lot of services, But from my perspective, the reality was person A should be with person B who was trying to run a business. They were a stronger team than all of the organizations being developed to help them. So I really, at that point, realized I'd be bringing businesses together. Um, And that sort of started the snowball effect of the fact of trying to say, here, listen, um, I would like to introduce you. I'd like you to have a conversation and Many times they would say, well, I think we're competitors. I don't feel really comfortable. It's confidential. And I would show them how you didn't have to give away your confidential information to have discussions. And it just, it just went ballistic. And the reason it did is because they were all trying, they knew what their values were. They were aligned and they, they really had given up everything. Many had given up families. They were trying to figure out how to finance their businesses. Um, They were making a heavy commitment. They had skin in the game. And a lot of times people like me who were their counselors had no skin in the game. So they found a lot more support by being with each other. So that's kind of started that snowball. Um, And in Alaska, um, I was very curious how the supply chain worked. Uh, I had a degree in business, I got a master's degree in supply chain, but it became very curious to me that the supply chain of food, and Donna can attest to this, is very complicated. And it really became so in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it was a chain. So if you can even imagine a chain, and there's a link in the chain, and that person knows this link in the chain. And then there's another link in the chain, but this person does not know that person. Intentionally designed that way, possibly, it starts to mean that every link in that chain kind of kept the others away and had a value because they kind of kept those links together. But you, if there started to be curiosity in me, if you took away this link and you introduced the other two together, what would happen? What if you made that, that supply chain shorter? And in our case, in and in, in many places in the world, you have people who are, who are in the middle there that might not need to be in their middle. And I will say, for example, One of them was that odds of value, and I'm not taking it away from them, but there were a lot of food
0: brokers.
1: (laughs) And so you would speak to a food broker about, I would like to source butter or eggs. They would not tell you who their clients were. And so there was no transparency. There was no understanding. And you started to wonder if it was intentional. So I started a newsletter before there were e-newsletters. I started an e-newsletter. (laughs) And I started to tell the stories of each community. I would call a community and ask them who who in your community produces food? How do they produce it? And the reason was two part. One, to tell the stories. And two, to educate the people I was talking to that they had their own system. Mm -hmm. That they had a food system. And I can tell you 50% of the people in the first three years that I spoke to didn't think they had a, a system or food.
0: Whether it was functional or not functional.
1: Or functional or not functional. Or they would say that they, they, uh, you know, that they have Nestle's there. And I would say, would you really have Nestle's, the company there? And they would go, they would think about it. And then they would go, no, you know, we have Nestle bars, or we have Nestle's cocoa, or you know, they, they just, they hadn't ever thought about it. And that went even farther, which is when I asked, I did an event. I finally did what Ghana's talking about doing, which is finally bringing everybody together. As I did these newsletters, I would send them out. And the people who signed up were, were buyers, restaurant buyers, big food buyers, because they wanted to hear what was going on in Nacnac, They wanted to hear what was going on in Yakutat. They wanted to hear what was going on in Homer. They, they, they used the tool to learn about those communities and where they could find other sources of products and who those businesses were. And I intentionally made them all pretty small businesses that I told the story about because I'm an advocate for, the, for smaller businesses. And mm-hmm. what occurred in the end was we had an event, a big event where we would pull people together, the supply chain. And I would invite only the people who added value
0: Mm.
1: to the supply chain. And that stumped them as well, because they would go like, well, they would think about it a little bit. Did they add value? But when I brought them together and introduced them to each other, I think the telling point was that I would, I asked everybody to introduce each other themselves to each other at the very beginning. That's kind of my, my deal. At the very tail of the caboose, the last person that that stood up and introduced himself was the publisher of the Alaska Business Monthly magazine. And he said, holy cow, I had no idea we had a supply chain in the state of Alaska. Now, keep in mind, we produced most of the food, the fish. We were the largest fishing port in Alaska, huge fishing port in Kodiak and so on and so forth. He couldn't believe it. He said, "I cannot believe it." In the audience <clears throat> that year, or the next year, next time I did it, I can't remember. I think it was that year. We had the senior senator from Alaska, and we had another um, CEO there. And I can tell you this happened over and over. And I asked our senator, Senator Stevens, at the time, if he would come speak at the event, and he said, "I don't know anything about food." right
0: our politicians are
1: well he said i don't know anything about food and i go but you are the number one advocate for national marine fisheries service and all the seafood industry and policies and he stopped mm. and and i can say that happened with every ceo that i spoke to Beautiful. is they hadn't thought of fish as food or they hadn't thought of water as food or mm. they hadn't thought of all of the uh you know, medicinal plants that we grew as food. And so basically it was, it was, like I said, it was educating and then, and so on. But um, so anyway, that's kind of what I've done all my life is bring two people together to make three, four or five things happen right. and measure them and see if we can develop those. And uh, so anyway,
0: that's what I do. I just, you guys, what she's what saying is, um, in translation, it, in, in, in t- to sum it up, the way I see it, basically teaching people how to live like the future matters from the soil to the soul to realize that we are nature and that everything is interconnected. And what happened was, big business took away not only small businesses; big fish took away the small fish when there when there isn't a balance. And and the, this link of can interconnecting business to the system and cycles of nature got devoured by greed. And what Robin did was she went in there and she called the spade a spade. She she called out not just um, a small business. She went to <laughs> the Senator of Alaska and and almost turned in blue, not quite <laughs> in the red of state in the union, um, but. <laughs> That was really ballsy, and, and and it's kind of like wow. To me, that like I, I got goosebumps of the gigantic dose of positivity and the transformation that you made to the seafood industry that so many people are relying upon, from crab to herring, for their livelihood. And it brought to it brought forth more. I'd like you to talk more about how you're implementing and working. Uh, what you did behind the scenes to bring these constituents together to bring more transparency, how that created more of a sustainable fisheries and and more of a uh, pro small business um, regulations to the big corporations, um, how all of this has come into play.
1: It was really quite simple when I was showing the different links is um, I invited them together and I worked with all of them, but I would invite them when I, I did Global Food Alaska three times and, I, um, and many, many different events. But I, when you invite all the links, packaging, inspection, certification, transportation, when you bite them all together, they have no ability any longer to keep you at bay about the information of who they work with. Because they're all in the same room, right? And so like Alaska, let's say Alaska Airlines came and I had buyers come say, what is it that they wanted to buy and how they want to buy it? I had no producers speak. I had no, I had nobody else, no experts speak. Well, the Senator spoke, but, but that was it. And so what would happen is when a, like Alaska Airlines came, that was always a good example, because they have the airline has to have a small package, right, that they can put out on the airplane. It can't have peanuts, you know, it can't have anything, uh, and it can't have a strong smell. It has to be at a certain price point. It has to be packaged a certain way. And so she brought those. And then because we have the packaging people, the inspection people, the people who source the product, the manufacturers, um, the insurance, the financing, all there, they all had to work together to create the solution for Alaska Airlines to have the product.
0: What was the product that you, they had?
1: Well, they were making, I mean, everybody was trying to do things, but like many, the lunches, for example, the, or the snacks, you know, Alaskan Brewing was there, which was actually always with Alaska Airlines, but, but um, came to participate and support in the potato chips company. So it was a lot more than seafood. Because right. we had a lot of different uh, farm products and some value-added products, uh, ice creams, lots of liquors, kind of came on as well. And and frankly, all of those ended up creating synergies because you started to create packaging and transportation solutions and things like that. Um, so you know we had we had all kinds of things, but when you started to bring them together, you really. And you started to tell these stories. You started to tell people stories. And so the smaller companies told their stories. And I was very careful not to share anything proprietary. But then the bigger ones wanted to be in the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then they started telling their stories. And then they started sharing about their suppliers or their packaging companies that would come visit. And then pretty soon, like the, you started shedding. But when you brought them together... Uh, It was very, it was just very interesting. It was very much of a community. It became a community. So the Walmart buyer, for example, became very much part of our community. The the Whole Foods buyer nationally, the Walmart buyer nationally, the Wegmans buyer nationally, um, many global buyers became part of our community because they were the drivers telling us what they wanted to buy and how they wanted to buy it to create these products. And so we all felt like we were
0: on the same team. Controlling what you and I eat. Well, they,
1: yeah, they were. And this is why, so I just want to fast forward. So global food collaborative 2021, um, we shifted, uh, took a long break and shifted to be focused on with the drivers being actually those individuals who are healers, no longer the buyers. So, All the buyers, um, I didn't want to include the buyers uh, until we got really legs for a while because um, the point here is that, you know, six out of 10 people in the United States have a chronic disease. Four out of 10 have two or more. That means four people have to take care of six people. And that was before COVID. Mm. And we now know with mental illness and other issues, we're in a real predicament on health. And we're in a predicament in the, in climate and the environment. And we're in a real predicament with the foods that we see that are marketed and distributed and, um, and the money that goes into all of this, all the things, all the things we all know. So, One of the things that's changed is, I would venture to say that everything has changed and it isn't any longer the supply chain that I'm working with. It is a supply system and uh, there's a lot more transparency. Uh, There's a lot more sense of urgency and the people who are truly trying to heal soil and human health, are the ones that I want to work for and that I want to drive the system and are driving the system. So, I mean, the, the dose of positivity, Donna, for me, is that um, there are many people who have gone way before me in making the big commitment to transform their lives and take it seriously to commit everything they have, their time and their resources to changing the world, and it is, a pl- it is a supply chain system. And the reason why is because we have arrows coming at us from every direction, overwhelmingly related to climate, overwhelmingly related to health, recognizing that food is a really big part of that. Uh, so I'm really excited because I do work with small businesses and individual businesses, still some startups, and those individuals are looking at everything they do, the water retention, the packaging, the carbon footprint, the ingredients uh, that they have in the food products or, and, and going to very lean, short supply systems. So from the farm into a product to the customer. Real relationships with the customers, real interpersonal relationships with the customers. And so today, I guess what I, what I get excited about is the menu we have for options for participating in changing things and taking action are everything from all of the online courses and people who do fabulous trainings People who have the food knowledge are making it accessible to us like you do, Donna, your fermentation, your breads, your knowledge is so huge, and you're sharing it with the world, but also the people who are doing all kinds of different business formats. I still, my degree is in business, my master's in global supply chain, where I emphasized on food, the people who are coming up with new co-ops new structures, intentional communities, you know, mm-hmm. those are worldwide and they're huge and they're really reformating those around food, providing food for their own communities, uh, providing food for themselves, re, educating themselves on, on soil. Um, many interviews I've done, including D- I see Deanna's online with farmers um, who are, far more developed in, in human health than any physician I've been to almost in my entire life. Right. They really are. They are the healers of the future. They understand what is transpiring in our human bodies at the cellular level as a result of their work in the soil. This kind of thing is so promising we have, we have three members who have come up with completely different business platforms that are horizontal, transparent, uh, profitable, but um, ha- scalable on a, in a big way to make massive change, massive change in terms of how we look at any um, any community, and that is related to food, how we grow food. People can plug in in all these different places. And my role um, is to help and support them and encourage them to work with other businesses where there are opportunities to collaborate. And instead of just one-on-one, one plus one, but one plus one makes three or four or five or six as a result, and leverage, leverage, leverage our knowledge. Because they're working, they're running at mock speed. These people are moving really fast because there's such a sense of urgency, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really excited. So, you know, people. Will, one of our members, you know, will call called me today and said they want to meet at five tomorrow morning. Which, as anyone who knows me, means perfect. Um, <laughs> But to talk about the next step in their business, Uh, some people are more comfortable in groups. I'm trying to encourage people to be more comfortable in a community. But as I said, I kind of left the conventional food people behind where I did have kind of a comfortable community and have moved on to a lot of people who don't know each other as well or are a lot more independent. So um, that's kind of where we are today. And it's really changed because the world's changed and needs new solutions
0: oh god robin thank you for sharing the mycelium solution Mm -hmm. to planetary healing um just taking us back all of us sitting in our uncomfortable airplane seats whether you've flown alaska airlines or united and opening that bag of Mix nuts or sitting down to a choice of a salmon entree or a chicken. And, and it has a whole different um, chain of thought process. And you take that from that uncomfortable seat on the airplane to your trip to the grocery store and look in your shopping cart and mag magnifying all that chain of commands that brought that food into your cart and one of the things that I find so fascinating about it is we get this choice salmon or chicken we get this choice we're in the grocery store do we go for this artificial disgusting food that the commercial told us we had to have or do we do the four aisles of the grocery store like Michael Pollan talks about and buy the local, the organic produce? Do we look at the ingredients? Do we take it energetically? And do we say, I can feel there was a child labor that went into producing this, who never got to go to school. So I'm going to put this Nestle's product back. And I'm going to go for this organic fair trade. And I'll put a plug in for my company, even though it's no longer there, but I'll ask a organic cocoa and chocolate syrup. Um, When I created that company was around the time I met Robin and at when I started sustainable Homer and I was looking at the value chain as Robin was, but from a a, a different, uh, almost really different, but exact same perspective when I realized that cocoa and sugar and vanilla, the three ingredients in my, chocolate company that I went national with conventionally, where they were next to cotton and soy and corn, the most destructive agricultural products on the planet that were exploiting people in third world countries and annihilating not just their soils and landscapes, but actually, the culture of the people themselves, because they lost their indigenous foods because there were sprawling acres of coffee and fields of sugarcane and beet sugar that took over fertile land that gave them the diversity of food that gave them their cultural relationship to the soil, to the land, to their families, to their rituals, gone because I at the time before thought Nestle's was great. And I really think that this conversation, this value chain uh, discussion and about health and how you transition, you know, you're transitioning the, the focus of Global Food Collaborative is super as monumental as beginning how you started it, but focusing in on healers, healers being the regenerative farmers the regenerative health professionals. One the, thing
1: I'd like to say, Donna, I'm sorry, is that you mentioned going into stores and this is really important. You know this. A lot of us didn't know this, but when you go to stores, uh, retail stores, small, medium, large, local, is um, I, I used to go around and shop all my members' products.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason is because they, have a very difficult time staying in stores especially at the very beginning they have to have a strong customer base Mm -hmm. so when I still go to stores I look at products and go like who needs me to buy this to stay in this store because they get those numbers right and let's face it the big companies have big budgets and turnover and turnover and all of that and the the amount of technology and um, marketing and promotion that they money that they put in is, I mean, that's like cosmetics. It's that's where it's going. It doesn't go into the food product any longer. It's into the promotion and marketing, but it's really important to support them
0: Yeah,
1: and buy and the, and the way to support them is to buy the products on a regular basis so they can get their numbers up and look for those because they will thank you.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I I totally, that is one way But I also feel just because of the whole economic system, especially in our food system is so back upside down, not horizontal. It's, it's, it's six feet under, it's really a dead system that's creating (coughs) health care, but disease care that, to, what what you and I are both doing and working with entrepreneurs is to look out of the box in different ways to sell their products, different ways to, to not only grow them, manufacture them, but also to market them and how to bring them to market so you don't have those slotting fees. Like like Robin said, you know, it costs every time you go in, if you, no matter how big you are, especially if you want prime real estate, they call it in on the shelves, it, it could cost <coughs> might have to give three free cases of my chocolate syrup for instance or somebody's organic um, cosmetic medication cream that maybe it costs them a lot of money and what if nobody buys it then not only do you lose those three cases that you put in there you you lose your your momentum and your 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 confidence to keep going and somebody big genius uh so-called big boy whether it's Kellogg's or or Dow Chemical sees wow my wife actually bought this this is a really good product she says yeah you should make it and then they 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 knock they knock you off and I've seen that happen so many times it makes me, me cringe inside. And so what both Robin and I do is we, what we're, we're trying to do is, is help these small businesses, especially, I mean, farmers markets are, are fabulous. That That's where we're we creating new uh, incubator business structures, like even in the inner cities, where you could have all these producers create their own malls. Um, and so that they're not having... To fight that, like Robin was talking earlier about how do we work collectively? How do we have this cooperative mindset? How do we pull the egos out and make them the size of a piece so they fit through the other end every single day? And we come up rising with a with a purpose to unify our communities because we know unity and community builds our immunity. So trying trying to trying to think that, oh man, I mean I'm in Walmart. I mean, I remember my products got into Walmart, they got into Target, you know? And, and it's like, people would take pictures and, and send them to me. And, and I was like, whoa, you know? But really when it came down to it, the product eventually um, it was on the market for 20 years. I learned, I learned the trenches from the inside out, how screwed up the industrial food complex and the value chain was. And the way Robin describes it and the way she puts it together and makes it really crystal clear it, it, with, the, with the change it, it is, is enormous for all of us. Every single, if every single consumer thought like like her this present, pre- presenting that, that, that model, we would make better choices. We would create these food incubator uh, malls c- collectively in our inner cities. We, we would encourage new ways to sell our products and to bring forth high quality uh, products like one of the people on the call I know is is a a grain farmer who's making a pasta with their grain. Another grain farmer we know is grinding their flowers and and, and this is in Alaska and they're they're growing their their grain and they're selling flour products and cereal products, value added products, but they're not selling it to the grocery store. They're selling it direct. They've sold it to me direct in bulk to a restaurant. Did they have a slotting fee? No. Not only that, they sold their products in small retail packages and I resold them for them. Did I ask them for a slotting fee? No. Did I say, I need a discount? No, I was proud to serve their cereal and then sell it off the counter. So it's thinking at that, the, taking this, this marketing, this marketing hat, right. That you're talking about, Robin, which I love. And it's just like, we all need to start thinking out of the box, literally out of Kellogg's frosted flakes. They're great. Take that and turn that upside down, go directly to that barley, those grain farmers and um, start serving their cereal.
1: Can I, uh, on that company in Alaska they um, that that's a good reminder that um, when they are developing their barley and they're going uh, they've they've transitioned to regenerative um, one of the reasons they've been really pushed into doing the food marketing and processing um, is that there wasn't a local source that was one reason and um, we kind of worked on that with them but secondly is that they ran into a physician out of Texas who -hmm. started talking to them about barley and some of the healing elements that they had seen over time in a study they had done. So they went in really big time and that, what, what that was years ago. Uh, but if you look at their website, it's a big, this is really new in Alaska that they focused a lot on the reasons for sourcing their product that it, it, uh, strengthened your immune system and and went to health and they get very specific about it. The other developments that have happened as a result is that you have uh, other organizations, companies who've come together. So um, around the United States now who are prescribing food Mm -hmm. in communities. And the really exciting part of that is when you go to your physician um, or caregiver, and they prescribe food, and you get the prescription, and you're you're using it. They're also studying the impacts mm. at the reduction of diabetes in those communities, wow. and they're showing great impact. And then they're taking it to their um, counties and, and community assemblies uh, and capitals now, and saying. Here's the little study. Here's the medium study. This is going on all over. So this is this is why getting these businesses together is so much so important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they're showing an impact that it's a reduction of budget requirements to handle healthcare, and it is improving the health scorecard of their community. So it's a win-win, and um, so that movement is going on. But yeah, it, it, you know that Alaska flower that started up there. Uh, Deanna and Kelly at Guardian Grains are masterful. There's no one in their league. Well, there might be one person in their league. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, they're just masterful. And we, we, you know, we're very lucky to have met them and to be able to um, collaborate with them, support them, encourage them. And I cannot wait to see sort of where they go. Um, and there are other people out there you know, scanning vegetables to tell you the nutrient value of this carrot over that carrot. Um, These are people that probably you started out with a long time ago, Donna, because they were in organics, but there's a,
0: there's just positive, positive, positive there's so much positive. And actually, I noticed that Deanne, you, you are on this call. And I would love to get you and Kelly back on a dose of positivity. These guys are just incredible farmers and marketers of their um, artesian grains. And, you know, people would just eat literally eat you up and want to get your pasta. And, and this also reminds me to share with you guys some of you were on the call last week. And um, for people listening to the replay, Dash Kurz from Hip Agriculture was on and he has a permaculture school, him and his wife, and I call them three free range kids um, who grew up in this this ecosystem of um, literally we call them canoe crops, but really working with the land, the soil and the indigenous crops that um, the early Polynesian people brought here, um, they grow all kinds of, of food. But anyway, it's a great follow up to this conversation that we're having here with Robin Richardson, who is just, um, I don't know about you, but just filling me up with so much hope and so much uh, knowledge uh, that, that we can all take to with us to the grocery store uh, on the airplane where whatever we're whatever we're purchasing and think about um, how we can better value our food and appreciate the value chain which has way too many links right now um, with a lot of mischievous uh, corrosive links trying to hold together a beautiful system that mother nature knows best how to produce for us she understands um, how to produce a wild flower and wild grain, and even um, taking the grain somewhat and um, making it so that humans could make it even more productive without genetically modifying it, um, but understanding how to work within the systems and cycles of nature to produce our food. Um, I just Donna? Wanted- yes. I just,
1: there was, um, I do want to say that I don't, I don't know that any of this was enlightening um but the um you know the grocery stores all have an association called the food marketing institute it's been around forever and they just i just um watched their ceo presentation yesterday Mm. and she was calling for a major shakeup of a her basically what she showed was the complexity of the supply chain and she was asking all of them. Now, can you imagine? These are the presidents of every, you know, the Safeways, the Albertsons, the Krogers, the all all those Walmart. Everybody in the room um, and all their partners saying, "Too complicated,
0: right?
1: Cool. It's not working." And health and home meals. Well, this
0: and, is so cool. We should get that link, and people can listen to that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I put that up for the members, but I, I, and I, because I really encourage everybody to really want everybody to look at it because whether you're going to compete with retail or you're going to try to enter it and succeed, it was a very powerful conversation where she believed the world was going and how to, how to respond to that, whether they will or not. Or whether the other new models like you're talking about are going to succeed, we don't really know. But ultimately, we need to get to food, health and climate and
0: solve it. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Robin, I just appreciate that what you just said so much, because I used to go into the headquarters um, like Whole Foods and Target and you know talking to these these buyers and doing uh, store demos in um, these large chain stores like we would we would go in and, and demo our products and and it's like when you go to the doctor and they they their eyes are black and they're 50 pounds overweight and they have a body odor about them and they're telling you, um, well, here's this prescription. Do you, do you take it? It was like that same feeling when I would go in to talk to these buyers and I would look at it and it was like, what is happening? It was very confusing at the time. And now looking back, especially what you just said, it just brought back almost like a nightmare of going in and trying to convince these buyers why it would be a good idea to expand their natural food section in their massive grocery stores and consider my products. Um, And, you know, they would want, it's just free case. You're in, we'll give it a try lady. And it was cold hearted and um, it did not consider the people who were growing the cocoa, the sugar, the vanilla and the soil and the community where my products were grown. There was not any one uh, inkling of consideration for that. And so that brings us back to one bite at a time, one choice at a time, we make a difference in this value chain. We are the hugest link We are the ones, you and I, who can make the decision whether a product stays on the shelf or not. When enough people are educated, like you guys showing up here today and having these conversations and bringing them back in the communities where you live in and you start supporting your local farmers and their products, that's when we're gonna see a shift in climate. That's when we're gonna see a shift in pollution because everybody eats. And until everybody jumps on and and jumps in with the right what we're feeding ourselves, we're going to have a health crisis. I write about that in conscious cures, and I know most of you on here have read that book, but um Robin, we are coming up to the hour and I I just want to continue this conversation. I would love to invite you back on as a guest. If anybody has any questions um, before Robin gives um, a a final closing here, um, and then we go off of speaker and uh, we go out and check the pineapples and see how my bananas are growing. Um, I would like to see if anybody doesn't have any questions. um, I just want to, Um, Thank everybody so much for coming on and and being open to change, being open to shifting perspectives, being open to be part of the solution and to carry a lot of this information with you, not only in your mind, but in your actions, because what Robin shared with us today is going to help make the world a better place and everybody Everybody needs to hear this. So, um, Robin, just thank you so much, and I would love to let you just take the last few minutes and give us all a dose of your positivity, of some simple acts of kindness, of food actions that we can all take um, and leave us.
1: Well, I think you just said it, Donna, which is we're we're really quite powerful, and we just need to remember every time we go into a store, or uh, even a farmer's market, uh, uh, any any type of, of operation, and even, even a business-to-business uh, business direct marketing company, if you're buying something online, it comes to your home or something, is to tell them what you want and how you want it mm-hmm. because they don't get that feedback. They'll just keep producing because... That's what they're doing. Their system is set up for it. But if we say in a very powerful voice or kind voice, you know, we don't really like, we don't need this extra packaging on it and tell the store managers and the clerks, you know, when they say, how's your day going? You know, it's good. Did you find everything in the store? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'd like to see just a little bit more local product. Um, I just haven't seen as much as I really like or bring you the product that you want. Because they don't get feedback a lot and from you, and, and you know, we're the ones paying the money. So I, that's all I would say is use our voices and talk to them. And on the negative side, <laughs> try to get them to get rid of the pesticides that they, they have in those same stores if they have them. You know, and say I I don't really, I don't really need to see those uh, any longer. I I want some clean, actual food. But um, you know, introduce yourself and remind them you're a consumer and tell them what you want.
0: So that's what I'd say. I love that. That's beautiful. And and shop somewhere else. And if you can't find it somewhere else, make it and start selling it. And bring your community together around this really important topic of food sovereignty, food security, and climate, and ecological justice for future generations. Robin, you are a dream. And I want to thank all of you again for coming on. Big, big love and aloha and go out and spread this fertile information with your community.